Welcome to the Purdue Commercial AgCast, the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture's podcast featuring farm management news and information. I'm your host, Jim Mintert, Director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture, and joining me today is Michael Langemeyer, Professor of Ag Economics here at Purdue. I'm going to review the results from the December Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer Survey of farmers from across the nation. Each month, we survey 400 farmers across the U.S. to learn more about their perspective on the ag economy. This month's Ag Barometer Survey was conducted from the 8th through the 14th of December of 2021. And Michael, it was uh, kind of an interesting result. So we saw an uptick in the barometer, uh, 125 versus 116 um, a month earlier. That's the first time in quite a while that we've seen a rise in the month in the barometer on a month-to-month basis, right? Yes, it certainly is, and and I think one of the things that may be going on here, this is my hypothesis anyway, uh, is, is as we, people are getting closer to the end of the year, they probably have a better handle on 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 what 2021 really looked like uh, compared to 2020, and so I think part of this is due to the very strong net returns we're seeing for a lot of people, particularly crop producers, in 2021. I agree with that. And we also had a little bit of a rally going on with respect to uh, fall harvested crops while the survey was going on. Uh, We weren't at the peak, but we certainly were seeing some improvement in prices. So that probably was reflected as well. But I I agree with you with respect to people starting to take a look at what their year-end results were going to be, both in terms of yields, for example, for fall harvested crops, and then also just the net income situation. Uh, you know, relative to, to what they had maybe thought earlier. And if you look at it underneath, I think that matches up. Uh, the index of current conditions was the big driver here. It rose from 128 a month earlier to 146. We had a modest change in the index of future expectations, probably not statistically uh, significant from movement from 110 a month earlier to 114 this month. But that index of current conditions, I think, really supports what you had to say, Michael. It really does probably reflect those net returns. Yeah, it's certainly something going on currently, as the index uh, suggests. And, and I think looking at these strong net returns for 2021 is really important. And one of the ways to look at that is to look at the Farm Financial Performance Index. It stood at 113 in December. Uh, that's an increase from 106 in November. And that's the highest reading since May of 2021. I think that's very important to note. Uh, this thing's been ranging anywhere from about 95 to, to 110 before uh, December. And then we busted through 110 uh, at 113. We're still not at the 126 or the 138 we were in April and May of this year, but 113, that's a strong reading. Yeah, and you compare it to where we were a year ago, 113 this month, uh, a year ago, 116. So uh, a dramatic change. You know, you go back to June, this index was as low as 96. And, And again, I think it reflects what you're talking about. People started taking a closer look at year-end results for their farming operation. Of course, a lot of people in late November and December start doing some tax planning, start really starting to look at that income statement, trying to figure out where they're at, look at their inventories. I think it's really showing up in the both the Farm Financial Performance Index as well as that Current Condition Index. Um, as you look at the Farm Capital Investment Index, it rose this month as well. Again, that's the first time in a while we've seen a significant improvement in that index. It rose to 49 versus 39 um, a month earlier. And, you know, the, that occurred despite the fact that we still have 45% of the producers in the survey saying that their purchase plans are impacted by low machinery inventory levels. 
I think that index would be a lot stronger if it wasn't for that last component, that 45% that say they're being held back effectively by tight or low machinery inventories. Yeah, I think it'd be 50 to 100% higher, uh, substantially higher if it wasn't for the fact that we have these low machinery inventory levels uh, in terms of new machinery. And then the used machinery prices are relatively high if you can find uh, the, the exact machine you want. And so uh, and so it, it's, it's not surprising to see some strength in that, that index, but it would be much, much higher if we wouldn't have the inventory issues. Yeah, and, I, and I, that extends on the building side as well, I think, with respect to it's difficult to get all the things you need if you want to put up a new facility, whether that be a, a farm building or even a grain bin. Um, so many of those are, are already locked up for much of 2022, and in some cases, all the way out to 2023. We've heard reports from farmers about purchasing new tractors, for example, and having to accept a delivery date, not in 2022, but all the way out into 2023. And I think that's indicative of just how tight the inventories are and how strong demand is for that equipment. Um, for the second month in a row, we asked people, what are their biggest concerns for their farming operation in the upcoming year? And we gave them a list of things to choose from. Uh, so we asked, we, we, we gave them choices of lower crop or livestock prices, uh, environmental policy, farm policy, climate policy, COVID's impact, and higher input cost. And overwhelmingly, for the second month in a row, people said the number one concern is higher input costs. 47% of the people in the survey picked that as one of two items that they could choose from that list. No big surprise there. A little bit of a shift in some of the other factors, but not very much, right? Yeah, what, probably the only surprise here is the higher input cost wasn't ranked first by more producers, because when you talk to producers, that seems to be what's on their mind. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, when we've done a, a few uh, in-person programs here over the last month or so, you're right. That's the only topic that really gets discussed. Uh, a little bit about outlook with respect to what we think corn and soybean prices are going to do and commodity prices in general. Uh, but yeah, it's mostly about what's going on with inputs. Part of its price Part of it's also availability, because you hear that story as well with respect to suppliers not willing to commit to even selling an item. So we followed up, Michael, and we had a question where we said, uh, to the people that said they were having some difficulty purchasing crop inputs for 2022, and that was about roughly four out of 10, I think 39% of the producers in the survey said they've had some difficulty purchasing crop inputs for 2022. Then we said in the follow-up, which crop inputs have you had difficulty purchasing from your suppliers? And it was all over the place, right? Uh, we gave them a list so they could choose herbicides, insecticides, fertilizer, farm machinery parts. Fertilizer came in number one, but not by much. It was at 31%. So the others were almost as high. Herbicides was 28%. Uh, farm machinery parts was 24 Insecticides was 17%. So, you know, I guess my take was... It's a supply chain issue across the board. What do you think? That's definitely the case. It, it, you know, it's, it's hitting numerous areas, as, as, as these results suggest. Herbicides, insecticides, fertilizer, and farm machinery parts, as well as other inputs that we didn't ask about. Yeah. And then going back and thinking about, uh, you know, that follow-up to the, what are your biggest concerns, we asked people about, well, you know, with respect to farm inputs, what kind of a price increase do you expect to see in 2022 versus 2021? And we actually had to change the buckets on this question. I think this is the third time we've asked this question. And this time we had to expand the buckets because of what's taken place. So we don't have a direct comparison to what they responded last month. But I think it's significant. 
Four out of 10, roughly 39% of the people in the survey said they expect farm input prices to rise by more than 30% in the upcoming year versus a year earlier. And 18% said 20 to 29%. So you put those two together, you're at what, 57% say 20% or more. Michael, you've looked at this more closely than I have. Have we ever seen that kind of a year-to-year increase in farm input prices? Not that I know of. If you look at the USDA price indices, which is this question is is is, is referring to, uh, a 10 15% increase, you do see some years. Um, not that many, but you do see some years in the last 30 years. Uh, over 15% is pretty much unprecedented. And the fact that we've got 57% that say it's 20% or more, and 40%, 30% or more, it's really... Unbelievable. Yeah, certainly unexpected if going back just a few months and, and just unprecedented. We just haven't seen this. And I think that is supported by the comments we've picked up when we've been out in person talking to farmers. I mean, this is entirely what's what people are concerned about and focused on. Um, they've never seen this kind of a dramatic rise in production costs take place in such a short span of time. So, and, and, and related to something that I keep track of fairly closely, I keep bumping up a potential increase in, in crop break, break even price for corn. Uh, you know, a few months ago, I thought, well, it might be 10% higher. And then I bumped that up to 15% higher. Now I'm over 20% higher, probably moving closer to 25% year to year change just in break even price for corn. And so these, these results are very real. Uh, they're feeling the impact out there. So we ask people every month about farmland values and their expectations for changes in farmland values. And we did see some weakness now two months in a row in the long-term farmland value expectation index. It, it declined to 152. A couple of months ago, that index was, I think, at 160 or 161. So not a huge decline. People are still pretty optimistic, I would characterize it as saying. I think we've been above 150 now every month except one, uh, going back to the fall of uh, 2020. So people are still relatively optimistic, but we are starting to pick up maybe just a little bit of concern about what's going on there. And I, I think maybe a couple of things going on. One is we've already seen a big rise in prices, right? Farmland values have already increased a bunch. Yeah, I think one of the recent surveys from Iowa is close to 30% increase in one year. And you see an increase like that, and you got to start asking yourself, how much longer can we see large increases in land values? And I think that's coming out here. They know 21 was a very good year, strong cash flows. 2022 doesn't look like a bad year, but not near as good as 21. And so I, I think that I think reality is setting in there. Yeah, I think that's a, a one factor. And then the other one is just this uncertainty about the future that we keep picking up in a a host of questions, right? People are very concerned about the future. Uh, At the outset, we mentioned that the uh, future expectation index rose, but it rose by a very small amount compared to that current condition index. So people are concerned about the future. They're worried about input costs. They're they're just... um, I would characterize it as more uncertainty than we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, yeah, and and even though they they responded very very uh, very much so in terms of uh, their biggest concern being input prices, there was still a significant group that are worried about policy issues, whether that be farm policy, regular regulatory policy issues, just policy in general, interest rate policy. Uh, there's just a lot of uncertainty right right now regarding government policies. Yeah, so that's that's really an interesting component. Um, 
So thinking again, just more specifically about the question, 61% of the people in the survey this month said they expect to see farmland prices higher five years from now than they are today. 28% said about the same, and 10% said lower, which is kind of interesting. Actually, that 10% is an increase, right? We, th That has been down around as low as maybe, what, 3%, I think? Yeah, 5 6% for sure. I mean, it's been it's been down to that 5 to 7% range several times, and so that's, that's a little higher. That is a little bit of a shift there. So then we followed up. This is the first time we asked this question. We said, if you expect farmland values to rise over the next five years— What's the main reason you expect those values to rise? And again, we gave them several choices, some, some buckets to choose from. One of those buckets was strong farm cash flows. One was low interest rates. Um, one was non-farm investor demand. And then the other category was just another, right? So if you have some other reason why you think farmland values are going to rise, and, and probably the one we maybe we should have put in there, Michael, is maybe we should have just put inflation in. But uh, so... To characterize that, 11% said strong farm cash flows were the reason they thought farmland values were headed higher. 13% said low interest rates would propel farmland values higher. 14% chose the other category. And then I just have to say, this was a surprise to me because I didn't expect to see this result. 61% of the people that said they expect to see higher farmland values said they thought it was because of non-farm investor demand. What's your take? I was very surprised at that result. I, I'm not saying that that's not important factor uh, impacting the impact in the land market right now, uh, but but in my mind, the strong farm cash flows and low interest rates are are uh, uh, bigger drivers uh, of land values right now than non-farm investment uh, investor demand. That's what I think. I think strong farm cash flows and low interest rates are the main reasons why we're seeing the strength. And maybe the backup reason, along with that low interest rate, which I think is influencing both farm demand, farmer investor demand, as well as non-farm investor demand, is the fact that from a relatively low risk perspective, there's not a lot of alternatives out there. You know, I mean, you look at CD rates, for example, those are pretty low. Uh, so that's probably in there as well. But we were both surprised, I think, to see that non-farm investor demand uh, show up as, as highly as it, it did in the survey. Well, we're going to ask that question again, Michael, I think, and, and see what kind of results we get in, in uh, uh, future months. And then, of course, we've been asking people about uh, cash rental rates, specifically corn and soybean producers. And this month's results were pretty close to last month. 51% of the corn and soybean producers said they expect to see higher cash rents in 2022 versus 2021. That's about the same as last month. 52% felt that way last month. That is a jump, though, compared to October. In October, it was at 43%. And my gut feel here, Michael, is that there's a difference in opinion relative to what we're seeing here in November and December versus what we saw in October. Yeah, I think there's a difference between what we saw in October. I mean, you indicated earlier uh, prices are relatively end of the year relatively strong, particularly corn, uh, and so I think that's that's certainly important. One other thing that we don't get at with this question, uh, we simply can't with the type of survey we're asking. There's probably a lot of regional differences in the answer to this question. In areas where the yields were not as good, I, I would expect more of about the same. Uh, maybe that's where the lower cash rents are coming from. And in areas where real where yields were fairly good. Uh, 
Uh, that means we probably had fairly good net returns in those areas. Those are the areas that are probably indicating higher cash rents. The other thing that I think perhaps is maybe taking place in the survey a little bit anyway is by the time you get to the end of the year, most people probably know what the cash rent for 2022 is going to be. So it's not quite so much a projection of what could happen as opposed to people telling us what they've already locked in for 2022. Yes. Do you agree with that? Yes, that would definitely be the case. So back in October, there's probably a little more up in the air in terms of what's going to happen. But by the time you get to the December timeframe and maybe even November, uh, most of those contracts have probably been finalized. There's probably some that's still being finalized here in early 2022, but certainly a lot of them have already been finalized. Well, Michael, that kind of wraps up our discussion for the Ag Economy Barometer this month. The next Ag Economy Barometer will be released on Tuesday, February 1st. If you want more details, look at the charts, et cetera, you can go to our website, purdue.edu slash agbarometer. And I'd encourage you to join us for our Top Farmer Conference, which is coming up on Friday, January 7th. Uh, we've got a great lineup. It's a Zoom conference, so you don't have to be on Purdue's campus to attend the conference. You can do it remotely. Um, we're going to cover topics ranging from farmland values, carbon markets to ag for agriculture. Um, you'll, you're part of a session that's going to be talking about dealing with rising crop input costs along with some of our agronomy faculty. Um, and then we brought in a speaker from the University of California that's going to talk about a sustainable climate solution for animal ag, uh, which is going to be pretty interesting, focusing especially on the beef sector and, and then implications for feed grain producers. So great conference. Friday, January 7th. You can register and get more information about the conference at purdue.edu slash commercial ag. And if you register and aren't able to attend live, you'll be able to view the videos later and download the slides, but you do have to be registered to do that. So with that, I encourage you to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And so on behalf of Michael Langemeyer and the Purdue University Center for Commercial Agriculture, I'm Jim Mentert. Thanks for listening. <music>